Welcome back, listeners, to the inaugural episode of the new podcast from yours truly, Lance Williams, and my guy, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? Uh, not a whole lot. You know, it, it's, a, it's a gorgeous spring day here in Pittsburgh. It's the heart of free agency. There's some basketball on, apparently. I haven't really paid attention, but it's a great time of the year. You got to love March. Listeners, the name of the new podcast is The New Standard, and I want to thank Neil for coming up with that fantastic name. If you guys don't know us, you may know us or you may not. Me and Neil go back for how about how many years, Neil? Probably about 10. About 10, yeah. Yeah. About 10 years. Me and Neil used to do a podcast, what around 2006, maybe 2007? Yeah, it was it was way early. This was like one of the first podcasts ever created. So that's some history about us. Also, we've done some stuff on some other platforms. You know, I don't want to speak. I don't know if you want to speak, Neil, to some of the other stuff or some of the stuff that you're currently doing. Um, but we've been in the game for a while. We, we've been talking about the Steelers for quite some time. I don't know if that means we're crazy or not. I don't know if that <laughs> means we're passionate. I don't know what that necessarily means. But we've been in the game for a long time. And I, and I think what we're going to try to do in this particular podcast, I know I am, is, is that we're going to try to be honest. We're going to give you our honest opinion um, and just give you some breakdown and some analysis and let you chew on it. I don't think we're going to take a fanboy perspective. I know I'm not. I'm pretty sure I'm going to guess that you aren't, Neil, because if you aren't familiar with our shows in the past, Neil famously, you know, ripped the Dre Archer pick, which is which was classic, <laughs> which was classic. <laughs> it was, that was the end of a, of a particularly long day. But yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I got the receipts. If you want to look back, uh, yeah, that, that pick uh, didn't work at the time and didn't work in practice either. You know, I have an interesting story about Dre Archer that I can't share on the show, but I'll, I'll, I'll share with you. Uh, when we when we're off the show, Neil, it's a very interesting story. Well, I'll tweet it out Archer. after then. You can't say it. I can't. I will. <laughs> so so we, 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 we'll talk about that. But on this particular episode, and we want to thank anybody that's chiming in on us. I know we're probably not going to have anybody live. We're just running this out. This is really just the first episode. We're trying to test all the technology and get everything hammered in. But on this particular episode, we want to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster's return to Pittsburgh. I think his return to Pittsburgh, and of course he was an unrestricted free agent, I think his return to Pittsburgh took everyone by surprise. Being people in the media, being uh, fanboys, being fans in general, I think everybody, even the NFL, I think everybody was particularly surprised that Juju Smith-Schuster returned to Pittsburgh Let's break into the numbers of it before we jump into some of the other points, because I think we're all aware as Pittsburgh Steelers fans at nauseum, we know about the cap issues of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Neil, why don't you break down the particulars of the contract that Juju Smith-Schuster signed? We'd have to say that in a lot of ways, this is going to be one of the more memorable contracts that the Steelers have signed. One in, in one way of thinking, you could say, considering the talent of the player and the, the market that he's in, the position that he plays, they might have gotten one of the more valuable players that they've ever signed in what was technically free agency. $8 million in, in a season for a 90-catch, potentially you know 1,400-yard, 10-touchdown kind of receiver is not 
common. We're not seeing that a whole lot within this market. We didn't see it in the other players who signed earlier. That isn't to say that he's going to replicate those kinds of numbers. It isn't to say that he's one of the best players in, in all the NFL and they just got a complete steal. But $8 million for a player of that caliber is cheap. And you just very simply look around the receiver market uh, in a down year like this, or certainly last year, I Lance, I honestly thought he would get something like 14 or $15 million on a one-year deal. The fact that he didn't just goes to show the Steelers were looking for a bargain with him. And I think uh, th this is just my thought on the matter. If a long-term deal wasn't going to materialize for him, what he was saying is, I'd rather stay in Pittsburgh where I'm known. They're familiar with me, the person. They're familiar with my medicals. I'm used to all of this. I'm comfortable here. If I'm going to play for a second contract year, which which he's going into now, keep in mind, it's just a one-year contract. Uh, I, I want to be somewhere where I know I'm going to be able to get the ball. Um, I can contribute to a winning team, and I'm going to be comfortable. Along with that, this is one of the most unique contracts in Steelers history. It's only the second time that they've had an active void year uh, deal set up for a player. The first one was Ben Roethlisberger a couple weeks ago. What that means essentially is that they signed Juju to a five-year contract. Um, they gave him on top of it. He has a $1 million base salary this season and a $7 million signing bonus. Because it's a five-year contract, they can prorate that $7 million over all five years of the cap, which means divide it into each year evenly. So he has a $1.4 million signing bonus charge on this year, as well as the $1 million base salary. So he has a $2.4 million salary cap charge. The void years really mean exactly what they sound like. They're, they don't exist. They're, they're going to cancel out after the season is over. So with that, Juju... Uh, has $5.6 million left of that $7 million signing bonus that the, the team has to account for. If he is not on the team next year and the contract does void out, that's $5.6 million in dead money on the Steelers cap next season. But, and this is a key thing, keep this in mind next year when we're going through all this again, the Steelers are able to give Juju an extension um, before the contract voids and in doing that, they can tack on evenly, just like they have it, that $1.4 million in each of those years. So from one manner of, of uh, looking at it, you can say the Steelers signed him at an $8 million valuation, which, again, is dirt cheap for a player of his caliber uh, at his age, his production, certainly his familiarity with the team. We've seen that the kid can play. He's a three-phase guy. He's a three-down receiver. To get him on an extension with the first year only being valued at $8 million, it's almost irrelevant what the, the remaining years will be valued at. They're going to get a great deal uh, if, if Juju can maintain the ability. that we, If he is the, the receiver that we've seen him be, for good and bad, I'm not saying that he's you know a, a legitimate top three at the position guy, but he's an excellent player. He's very good. I don't think he's a great receiver. I think he's a good one. And if they can get him at something like $13, $14 million over four years beyond this one, they got an incredible deal on a very good receiver in what started off to be a really bad market and a really tight cap position for the Steelers. So uh, I, I think this has all the makings of an excellent move and one of the better ones that we'll, uh, we'll see unfold, um, hopefully for, for the sake of the Steelers and Juju over the next couple of years. Before I ask you my next question, I want to go into a couple of the numbers 
that you mentioned. Because when you were talking about the $14 million, and this is average per year, I want to give listeners just a general idea of what the type of player is at that $14 uh, million dollar number. That's Devontae Adams. He's at 14.5 in terms of average per year. Stephon Diggs is 14.4. Um, just above uh, Devontae Adams is Jarvis Landry at 15 million. Juxtapose that against the 8 million that his cap charges for. Receivers around that same um, average per year are Sammy Watkins, who's at nine. You have Julian Edelman, who I think everybody believes he's probably better than Sammy Watkins and Ju- and Julian Edelman. And Edelman's at 7.75. Cole Beasley's at 7.25. And then you get down to Brashard Perryman, who's at 6.5. So in terms of value, it's fantastic. And when you look at the cap charge of this year of 2.4, I mean, when you're talking average per year of 2.4 million, I mean, you're talking Andre Roberts at 2.7, Calvin Ridley at 2.7, Nikhil Harry at 2.5, Zay Jones at 2.5. And and I and I think, I mean, we've talked about Ben Roethlisberger coming back, and maybe we'll discuss it on the show. If you're going to bring Ben on a one-year back, you might as well do this deal, right? There, there's no point to not bring back all of his weapons. If you're going to just, for the sake of argument, give this is the last rodeo, then you might as well go out with a bang. And going out with a bang will be to bring Juju Smith-Schuster back. They were creative in terms of doing this deal. But what about the, have you heard about the deals that were rumored? Because I, I, I can't remember the lady's name on Twitter that floated from the NFL Network that floated around the Ravens deal. There was a, a rumor about the Kansas City deal. Um, to me, and I, I'm assuming those years were one-year deals, it makes sense for him to come back to Pittsburgh if you're going to do the one-year. I know it's very attractive to play for with, with Patrick Mahomes and be in that type of offense, but it's just weird. It was just weird. You know, the one-year, I mean, I'm not used to in this current environment players really showing any loyalty i know juju's young but i I was just really thrown off what was your thoughts on the rumored deals that you heard and you know what speak to that i saw the same thing you did and i I forget the name of the reporter as well but she's with nfl network and she said um don't quote me on the, the exact numbers but between three different teams the steelers being one of them uh, it was eight or nine million dollars, and the the Chiefs had eight million with I think four million in incentives, and the Ravens had nine million with like two million in incentives. If you put those three deals together, I don't think anybody who's really paid attention to the NFL is going to think a wide receiver would choose anybody other than the Chiefs. If the Chiefs are offering you a one year contract, which is again to say. Juju is playing for another contract after this one. He needs to put up a big year. He's got to show that his value is on the rise. Kansas City is a pretty good place to play. Now, that there are arguments against it to say uh, he might not get the ball as much. He may not have as many opportunities. But I think the overriding message is he's most comfortable in Pittsburgh. This is where it, you know he, he's probably hearing how he's going to be used in a new offense under Matt Canada. And he likes what he hears. There's continuity. That's a valuable thing. 
But I'm I'm not going to be able to get past the fact that this the the deal that he signed with Pittsburgh is a clear and obvious gateway into a future extension. And I think that's what Juju wanted ultimately. He said it multiple times. He wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. And I think the way that this deal is structured, he is able to sign an extension with Pittsburgh next season. Pittsburgh can't Pittsburgh is is unless they do the void deal, which they did, they're not able to give Juju a one-year deal. So I don't think they ever looked at it as being, well, let's bring him back for one year. I think they're saying, we really want this $8 million valuation. Next year, we've got some more cap space. He has some, some signing bonus money, but if we give him an extension, that's only $1.4 million on top of the deal we get. He's going to have a cap number realistically in the, the six or seven range. So that's a two-year deal on an average of, I'm not a mathematician, but what, $4 million or something like that? It's ridiculous yeah. for a, a highly productive 24, 25 year old receiver. Now, keep in mind what you said earlier about Jarvis Landry at, at 15 million. I think that's the last year of his contract. It really should be the other way around. The old guy who got paid a long time ago should be at 8 million, and the new guy should be at 15. That shows the market growth. This is just, it, it's, it's such a unique situation. And I think the Steelers uh, capitalized on that. I, I think they got themselves a, an excellent deal on a good NFL player that they're going to get away with paying nothing over the next two years. I mean, it really, I, I think it works out great on both sides. You know, I think you hit, a, I, I think you hit a solid point. You know, I'm typically pro player in this, you know, I, I I'm, you know, I'm the older disgruntled guy. I, I I'm you know, show loyalty to your family, set your family up the best way you can financially to move forward. I, I I'm the disgruntled guy that says, you know, organizations don't care for anybody. They care for themselves first. You care for yourself first. This is just a business arrangement. And particularly in football, where injury is 100% certain, you need to cash out and make the most money. I'm with you. The Kansas City deal seemed best to me. I mean, you've got the better quarterback. And that's the, that's the interesting thing in all of this is nobody knows particularly why Ben Roethlisberger had the precipitous drop that he had last year in the last, what, five to six games, I think after they won 11-0. You know, what is he going to be like physically? I know Juju is, is familiar with Ben, knows the offense, knows Canada, so on and so forth, but still, playing with Patrick Mahomes is better. Playing in Kansas City is better with Biennemi and Andy Reid as the coordinators and doing the potential of doing commercials, Juju and Patty. Come on, man. I mean, all the money you can make with the Juju Patty show, I could just see those commercials. I mean, Juju and come on, man. I mean, so that's why I was just taken aback. Like, it's the weird example of loyalty shown by a player where he kind of just I, I, maybe he just really wanted to come back. I think the other unique point here is Juju is super young. So on a one year, even if he doesn't come back for an extension, he's still 25 next year. And so it also leads to what you said, I think was a good point, that there must have been no possibility of an extension in Baltimore or Kansas City, particularly Kansas City, because if you can sign an extension in Kansas City as a receiver, why the hell would you not want to be with Patrick Mahomes for the rest of your career? I mean, you're talking about the most talented quarterback that we've seen come in the league in centuries or years or decades or whatever why not be with patty mahomes and andy reed if there are two people that are going to figure out how to get you to rock if you can catch and make it happen 
you know, it's going to be those two. But there's another question I wanted to ask you. If you were in his shoes, would you have come back to the Steelers? I would have. I would have went to Kansas City. I'm I'm with you in the sense that um, it, the the money that they're making is life changing money. It's generational money. Uh, what goes through it, it, what I think of whenever I hear these situations is it's their head. You know, in the end, it, playing football well documented that you were going to have a, a, a pretty downgraded quality of life when you're older. You're going to suffer physical complications. You're going to suffer mental complications. It, at least provide for your kids' kids. Make the money that you can make and invest in something long-term for your people. I, I would believe in that for me, that that's the way I would think. But it's not my head. It's Juju's head. I It, it could be as simple as he really just wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm not trying to make that sound bad or anything. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's not what you see. It's not normal. Um, I, I Again, I just really think what Juju is doing is betting on his ability to stay there and be productive and then get an extension. So in a way, it's almost like he's signing a, a, a heavily discounted franchise tag with what's not a guarantee by any stretch, but a large, uh, it, it, an increased likelihood of an extension beyond this season. You mentioned his age. You're right. He's a kid. They drafted him at 20. I mean, you know, the Steelers really like the the 20 year old first round guys. They'll take him one. Yeah, they did that with um, uh, Marquise Pouncey as well. Pouncey played 11 years, and he's retiring at age, what, 32 or, or whatever it is. Juju, on a four-year extension next year, will hit free agency again when he's 29. Yeah. That's a nice deal for him, and that's a nice deal for Pittsburgh. You broke it up with one year, again, at a very low valuation compared to the market. To sign an extension of pretty much any value next season – gives them incredible flexibility in terms of where his salary cap number is going to be in the next two seasons. And, and this is probably what Juju is really looking at long-term. He's absolutely a core guy because this team has nobody signed next year. They didn't even give poor BJ Finney a second year on his contract. They, they, they're giving out two-year deals to everybody. These are deals that are backloaded, meaning Cam Sutton is not a lock to make the team next year. Not saying that he's not going to be, but his contract on the back end of it is worth enough for the team to say, we don't have to keep him. His bonus money was low. We can get rid of him. Um, I'm blanking on who else they gave it to. Zach Banner, who had played, what, 15 snaps or whatever it was at right tackle. And now everyone's slating him to be the left tackle next season. Like, okay, that's the state of your offensive line right now. They don't have a whole lot of guys in place. Juju is in a position to be a free agent and to have money counting against the Steelers' salary cap next season, no matter what happens now, it's really difficult for them to not offer him some type of offer. And they're they're going to have a lot of money to be able to spend. Not a ton, because they don't really have anybody signed. Uh, zero quarterbacks currently signed on, on the 2022 team. And T.J. Watt isn't currently signed. Um, we'll get into his, his contract situation on another show. He's going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> it's not even, oh, yeah. he's, he's going to destroy any contract that Ben ever got. That's how big uh, it, that's going to be. I think they'll probably tag him. And I think that tag is going to be worth 17, $18 million. Juju is in a position to be the second highest paid guy on the team next year. And probably for the next, maybe year after that, they're going to have to sign a ton of guys. 
they're not going to be able to cut any of their draft picks. And it looks right now like they're going to have 11 of them. So it's a completely different team next year. And Juju is, is establishing himself as a, a core veteran on what's going to be a very young team very quickly. I think it's a smart move in ways that don't appear directly on the surface. But for me, I'm going to play with Patrick Mahomes, and I'm probably not thinking twice about it, to be honest. I mean, because to your point of the extension and staying in Pittsburgh, they don't have a quarterback. I mean, they don't have a quarterback in 2022. They don't even have one signed to the roster. They can't be so, – there can't be more than one team in the NFL without a quarterback signed next year. That's a very unique position to be in. That's why this is weird. That 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 can't be a tr- – I mean, I don't know. Again, I, I'm just going to be scratching my head forever on this. Let me give you the numbers – that over the cap estimates to be the tag numbers for 2021 and 2022. So the linebacker tag number for 2021 for the franchise tag is 14.7. The transition is 12.7. The projected linebacker tag money next year is 17.3 for the franchise tag and 14.1. I think the other thing with Juju is that He's going to end up like I, I think it's going to work out, like you said. I think the carrot of an extension is what kept him in Pittsburgh instead of going to Kansas City. Because there's no way you can argue to me that Patrick Mahomes, Reed the enemy, is not better than Ben Tomlin Canada. I mean, it's just, you know, if you're playing spades, if you're playing bid whist and you're bidding, I'm bidding a Boston. Like that's a Boston, like. Look, I've got all the spades. I'm bidding a Boston. I'm going to run 13 books and rise and fly. Your ass is up out of here. We win the game. I mean, there's no way in the world that the Kansas City three is not better than the Pittsburgh three. And that's not to disrespect Mike Tomlin, his accomplishments, or Ben Roethlisberger. We don't know much about Matt Canada at the pro level. I mean, we'll it, it's, it's, it's going to happen. We'll see. But it is not better than Mahomes, Reed, and Bienemy. It just does not compare. So I was just I'm flummoxed by it. And that's not an insult, just like you said, to to Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Ben Roethlisberger. It, it's it doesn't even need to be discussed. I mean, it's pretty clear and obvious. The level of success offensively in Kansas City is is remarkable. Um, historic. That's a dominant group. And they're only just getting started in a lot of ways. So uh, it, it, it's interesting. Um, overall, if, if Juju loves Pittsburgh that much, it, it's it's endearing. Um, it kind of does fit with his, you know, kind of boyish charm thing that he has going. And that's great. Um, I, I like him as a player. I really do. I always did. Um, I liked him coming out of USC. Um, I, I believe I'm on the record. I called him Heinz Ward 2.0 at that point just because you saw um, a dude that just – hated blockers more than anything it was his underneath stuff it was his run after catch and is his blocking ability and we've seen all of that uh, at, at different points in his career in Pittsburgh I don't think he's going to become a better athlete I do think he's going to become a better receiver and with that there are a lot of different roles that you can use for him I'm tired of hearing people saying that he, he's only relegated to the slot I mean there's absolutely no reason to think that that's the only position he can play it just happened to be that was his best fit um in the, the Steelers' <laughs> unique version of offense last season, that's the role they asked him to play. I don't necessarily think he has to do that. 
They move guys around a lot. Uh, there's a lot of different things he can do. He's he's a good overall receiver, um, even if he's not a great one. If he's not Tyreek Hill, he's still a very good receiver and one that, frankly, makes close to twice as much as, as what he's being paid. Um, he, he's a guy that you can build around. I just I didn't ever see the Steelers wanting to make a long-term deal with him because, and this is a great stat that floats around all the time, the Steelers have signed exactly – two wide receivers that they drafted to extensions after their rookie deals, Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown. Two since, what was that, 2006, I want to say? That's deliberate. And it, it, not a team that's been lacking for wide receiver talent. Exactly. Um, they're, they're not all Antonio Brown. I get that. But you, you can't say that Emmanuel Sanders is a bad receiver. He just signed another contract. He's still in the league. Right. right Mike, exactly. Wallace, Mike Wallace got top of the market money when he left. Uh, Marcus Wheaton played somewhere else. There are a few others might not have worked out as as well as they would have liked, but it, it was a stacked receiver room for over a decade, and it has been. They didn't need to sign Juju to an extension, in my opinion, for, yeah. for the talent that they bring in and their yeah. ability to find Chase Claypool, who is nobody could argue is clearly a better athlete than Juju Smith-Schuster is. They get him in the second round, four years after they take Juju. They just replenish. But if they, they want to hang on to Juju, I'm, I'm not against that. Um, I think it's a good move, certainly at the value that they're going to get. It's just Kansas City. <laughs> um, yeah, all I, right. I, I, I'd be in Kansas City eating Gates ribs. Amen. Or Arthur <laughs> well, that's exactly what I think of. Anytime I hear Kansas City, it's the opportunity to eat at Gates all the time. I would totally do that. I'd eat my way out of a contract, no problem. Here, here's the thing that's interesting, right? In, in Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh likes physical ball players, particularly physical wide receivers. I mean, the images of Heinz Ward knocking out uh, what was the linebacker in Cincinnati from SC that he knocked Keith out? Rivers. Broke, Keith him Rivers. Keith Rivers. Um, him knocking out Ed Reed on crackbacks. I mean, hell, the NFL coming up with the anti-Heinz <laughs> Ward rule. Juju knocking out Vontaze Burfick. I mean, I'm not going to mention uh, the large, quite hefty, uh, rotund uh, I'm just trying to be nice. I don't want to, you know, throw somebody under the bus. And I don't want to mention their name particularly, <laughs> but I think you know who I'm talking about, the rotund one in Pittsburgh who particularly dislikes Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Juju, I think in coming back, and I think Juju has always shown that that he's a dog physically on the field. And that's hard for me to say as a cow guy. You know, we have our Pac-12 rivalries. SC will never say it's a rivalry with Cal because it's hard to have a rivalry when you always beat someone. So I understand their perspective. So, you know, no, you know, I don't like the, the members of Troy. You know, I, I don't like SC. But Juju's a dog. To play in the NFL at 20 and to play like he played, he's a dog. I mean, guys don't come into the league and play at 20 and play like that. I think the big thing with Juju that I think of, and I'll, I'll, I'll use what's probably a really bad comparison, but I'm not a hockey guy. I don't watch hockey. I just know uh, on Twitter during Penn's games, you know when the Pens are playing, and you kind of follow you know, just the, the, the feedback from fans. The one name I hear more than any other name outside of Sidney Crosby is Tom Wilson, who doesn't play on the Penguins. He plays in the Capitals. And each time you see his name, you see fans freaking out about it. You'll see a clip of, of some play on the ice that was just dirty. I mean, it looks really bad. 
hockey to me, and I, I really kind of checked out a, a while ago, and I understand the need for player safety and things of that nature, but it, there comes a point that you stand up for your guys. And to me, it just always seemed odd that Wilson would do the things that he did, and nobody ever challenged him on it. Vontez Perfect was Wilson times five. He was really bad, and I'm not saying that just as a Steelers fan. I mean, it was he didn't do it just to Pittsburgh. The guy was nuts. I mean, he's really just crazy. Um, Juju, and granted, he he earned the suspension for the rules. I, I said that at the time. Juju not only stood up for the Steelers and his teammates, he stood over Vontez Perfect and reminded him who's in charge in the North. I don't know how you can't love a guy that does that. I don't care if he loses his bike. I don't care if he dances around the locker room. I don't care if he acts like a 16-year-old most of the time. Did you see that man play on the field? I didn't see any other Steeler do that. Not in several opportunities to, to deal some get back to Vontez Perfect. He's the only one who did it. And he made that point loud and clear. He's forever a guy to me. I'll, I'll take that guy all day. So let me ask you, Neil, why is the fan base so mixed on Juju? I mean, why why, why does it seem like it seems like the fan base has soured on Juju a bit? Is it all the New Orleans Saints fumble? I mean, what is it? I mean, if I can overcome my disdain for USC, which is significant, I mean, you know, again, <laughs> for you Pac-12 enthusiasts, I mean, when you watch a team beat your team for basically a half century, I, I can get over it. He's a stealer now. He's a physical player. I mean, Juju lays it all out on the line. Juju balls. I mean, I mean, what is it? I mean, is it did he take the antics too far with with his social media stuff, the blue hair, Juju and the dog? I mean, I mean, what is it? Like the fan base seems so mixed on Juju. I mean, why is it? I think Juju is a quality football player. Like you said, I don't think he's a star. I don't know if Juju is even necessary, given the other young wide receivers that you have. I know that Juju is sort of like salt in dessert. You know, it heightens the flavor. You put salt on anything, it makes it taste better. I mean, I think that's what Juju is. He's not, like you said, Tariq Hill. He's not the entire chocolate chip cookie. He's just that little added. He's the chips. He's the salt <laughs> on the cookie. He's not the eggs, the dough, and the batter. But, hell, you need all that to make a really good cookie. Yeah. So why is the fan base so mixed on Juju? I think Juju's a great, not a great, but a very solid player that makes the Steelers better. I think Juju is a team guy. Um, I forget what game it was, but there was a point. Um, I don't even remember who caught it, but there, there was a pass down the sideline. And there was a run or something. It might have been a run. I think it was Connor. Um, Juju isn't running ahead of the play. He's not jogging after it. He's sitting and waiting, watching the sideline. He's clearly waiting for the ball to pop out. And lo and behold, it did. And he dived on it right away. He was prepared for that moment. He knew that it was coming. That's team football. I shouldn't say knew it was coming. I don't mean he's, he's anticipating Connor fumbling the ball. But he's getting himself ready to do the one thing that would make him valuable on that play. He does stuff like that. Juju is a very smart receiver. Um, he's improving his craft. He's gotten much better as a, a route runner. He's got definitely reliable hands. And he's a physical guy. You can win with Juju Smith-Schuster. He's not going to lead the, the, the league in yards or touchdowns or catches, but you can win with the guy. The fan base doesn't like him, simply put, because microphones picked up Josh Allen firing up the Buffalo Bills before they went on the field 
because he was dancing on the logo and they lost the game. When a team loses, fans have to assign blame. That's a, a large part of uh, sports-related social media. It's a large part of the job that I have. Uh, the, the writers that I oversee are oftentimes writing on reasons of blame uh, when it comes to losing situations, which most teams lose. Um, Juju puts a very clear target on his back for that kind of stuff. I'll say this. I don't think dancing on logos is a good idea. Um, I understand that it's supposed to be fun. I'm not against fun. I just think that something that's going to draw an inordinate amount of negative attention, which it will, regardless. It's nothing you to do with fun. fun. People, fun. people will be upset over that, and they will blame the loss on that, despite the fact for as excited Josh Allen was, Steelers kicked his ass for the first half of that game, okay? The well, offense yeah. kind of let that happen. He wasn't any more fired up. They didn't make him any more successful that day. They're pros, okay? This isn't high school football. They're used to this kind of thing. But doing it on the logo, I think, is just it, – it's it's going to draw the wrong kind of attention. Um, I also think he was probably paid to do it. I know he said he wasn't, but let's be honest. Why else would he do it, you know? I don't see a, I don't see a reasonable um, scenario in which you could say he's not getting money to do this simply because – you wouldn't need to do it on the logo. Why draw that much attention to yourself? Um, I don't care about all of that stuff. There are a lot of people who don't agree with me. <laughs> and we, we've seen that up and down. And you mentioned one of the biggest ones who drives ratings largely on the idea that there's a player that is going to violate things that make it seem less like the the, the stereotypical quintessential uh, steel working blue collar town. Yeah. Anytime there's a player, and this is all coded, by the way, I'm I'm well yeah, aware yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, if there's a player who's out there being flashy, being showy, and not smoking cigarettes on the sideline, Jack Lambert style, and doing push-ups on broken glass or whatever he can do to make himself tougher or whatever other these you know really soft, non-describable kinds of traits of a football player. You can't tell me Juju is not tough. You just can't. Okay. It's impossible. You haven't watched the guy play. And if you have, you don't want to believe that he is. He's tough as nails. He's a big dude. He's not afraid to use his body. They don't like the fact he dances and jokes around and goofs off. Like I said, I don't think he should have danced on the logos. The other stuff, I don't care. We've seen all of this across the entire league. Get over it, grandpa. It, it's not your NFL anymore. Okay. This is not, Jack Lambert's day anymore. And I'm saying this on the older side of the coin. You know, there, there are some things I, I find amusing. Most of it kind of not really. You know, I, I, I'm not into it. I don't really care. It's not that big of a deal, but people are going to make it a big deal. And he draws that kind of attention. And when he's doing really well, it's great. He's everybody's favorite. But right. he's going to be the first guy they look at when he's not. And that's right. – he, he creates that for himself. Um he's going to be a polarizing figure because players that do that kind of thing um, often are. And that that's just kind of the way fans are. Um, it, for me, I, I don't let that stuff get in the way of evaluating what a football player is doing for the team he's playing on. He's well-respected in the locker room. He's a leader. He works hard. I don't care what, what you could possibly say about him doing commercials or, or recording a seven second TikTok video. That's not going to prevent him from being a pro bowl player. It's yes, nonsense. It they have other yes, lives. 
you, you know, let what him is. be what he you does. Know. Let him do what he does. It's not that big of a deal. Here's the interesting thing that, that I got from your comment there. One is you can't be a nice Terrell Owens. That that, that that's basically impossible. Yeah. You can't be a fun-loving guy that celebrates on logos. Like one is going to overpower the other. Sort of like if you put red food coloring in water, even if you put one <laughs> drop in it, it's going to be pink at least. Um, and the second thing is, did you realize, Neil, did you, you were so good at saying it, that you were saying there's a very large guy in Pittsburgh in the media that drives the argument. It's It was so great because the guy is actually very large physically and he's large in Pittsburgh. Did you notice that you did that, Neil? That was, that was so um, I I didn't, and I'll say this. I, I'm not... I'm not somebody, I'm not going to get into anybody's physical appearance over anything. Um, yes. I, he knows what he's doing and he's doing it intentionally. Yes. Juju brings some of that upon himself. And that that's, yes, that's just something you kind of have to accept. You brought up the new Orleans fumble earlier that cost him a game and that cost him a playoff spot. Yes, um, he responded to that by catching two passes the next week when Antonio Brown was gone. It's tough to ignore that kind of thing. You know, there's nothing to do with his dancing. It, it's very simply, you fumble in Pittsburgh, there's going to be a problem. It doesn't matter who you yeah. are. I remember Antonio Brown got destroyed for fumbling for the first time in two years in a loss to the Jets back that, that when they were on that tear where they were scoring 50 points a game, where Ben was throwing for, for 506 each week, and then they, they scored 10 in a loss to the Jets. Brown had a fumble early in that game, and he got shredded for it. I don't know how fair that is to, to really call at that point. I'm not going to get into the post, you know, 2018 Antonio Brown, but back in, in 2014, not a whole lot to really get after him about, but no. they're going to turn very, very quickly. If you were doing things that lead to losses, when you are a part of a losing team, they're going to find the first thing that they can to criticize. And when you make it that obvious of where you're going to go, well, it, you know that there are people that look for that kind of thing and look for that kind of thing only. Um, if you're really interested in finding them, I suggest you post something like, "I think Mike Tomlin is a great coach on Twitter." You're going to hear about that real quick. You know, it, it's not that there are just haters. There are fans within the, the Steelers fan base that hate everything about the Steelers. I mean, it's it's crazy for whatever reason. I'm not saying that the guy is perfect. I'm not saying that the team has has achieved what it should have achieved. Um, it's just more the, the the real stark contrast between good and bad. There are some things that really don't matter, and fans will focus on the things that don't matter um, in lieu of the things that do when it comes to losing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with Juju coming back. It, it, it's interesting. When guys dance, I'm typically in the bathroom. I mean, to be <laughs> honest, I figure when guys dance and score – that's my opportunity to go to bathroom and get some food. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't pay attention to it at all. You know, I think me and you are are both unique in that way. But before we conclude the show, before we, we you know, we finish talking about the curious case, the return of Juju Smith-Schuster to, to Pittsburgh. I think again, we were all surprised by it. Is there's a rumor floating around about um, Stephen Nelson? Uh, possibly getting traded. And I know it's been kind of floated around that there's some connection between Juju Smith-Schuster's uh, deal and Steven Nelson. I, I didn't see the link between the two. And honestly, 
if you're bringing Ben Roethlisberger back and you're bringing Juju back on the one year, I think you have to keep Steven Nelson. I don't know how much leverage Steven Nelson has. You know, if he offered, if he said he wanted to sign a long-term extension, I mean, great. Okay. You know, I want to be six feet five, you know, 220 (laughs) pounds with 4% body fat, you know? So, I mean, we all want something that we can't necessarily have. And I think if you're bringing Ben Roethlisberger back and Juju back, I think you just keep Nelson and you keep the best roster available. I mean, you keep Nelson. I mean, you keep that secondary intact and you roll the dice and see if the old man has something left in the arm. If he has some juice and you rock out and ride it out and see what happens. I'm kind of confused at the causal relationship that I'm seeing floated around between Juju's deal and Nelson. I mean, what's your thoughts? It, it's here's the biggest thing you got to understand that th- these moves aren't made in a vacuum. It, this is a fluid situation. When you were putting the idea of, um, it, let me start with this. What's important about uh, that situation is the fact that they were announced within five minutes of each other, and I think that was intentional. Schefter tweeted that the Steelers had given permission to Stephen Nelson to seek a trade. Five minutes later, it was announced that Juju, at that point, was signing a one-year, $8 million contract with the Steelers. Let me pause you real quick, Neil. Give us some insight on why you think that was intentional and and why media outlets might have done it that way. I don't think the media outlets did. I think the Steelers did. I think the Steelers are are putting the information out there to drown it out a little bit because for the same reasons that you mentioned about Steven Nelson – I don't think it's Steven Nelson saying I want an extension and the Steelers are saying no as much as it is Steven Nelson saying, look, my market right now, 42 to $45 million on a three-year deal. That's what uh, the, the, the Washington football team just gave William Jackson. I'm at that level. There's no reason for me to think that. If you want me long-term, then the, this is the, you know, this is the basement of, of my uh what I want is this contract. I'd like that as an extension. If you aren't going to give that to me, can I try to you know get a trade to someone who, who might give that to me? Do, do you think we could work something out? I don't think there's bitterness there. I don't think it's an angry situation. We'll see, though, because the only leverage, as you mentioned, that Nelson would have would be holding out. His market right now is on an extension, not what he's making today. I Certainly, I think if he could get more money, he'd like to do that. But he signed. It, he's got one more year before free agency. If he doesn't play, he's not going to get William Jackson's contract. So, I don't. I'm not saying that he wants out. I'm saying from the Steelers' perspective, I can save eight million on cap and uh, try to trade him, try to get something um, in return for him now because I need draft picks next year. Is it worth it to me? Let's see what the market will will offer in a trade situation. Um, if they don't get what they would want and they cut him, that's a different story. Then we are getting into what's becoming a paradox uh, in Pittsburgh, whether you are in a, a win now mode or whether you're building for the future, because all the moves we discussed are win now. Cutting Nelson would be, you know, we need the cap space. He doesn't want to be here. That to me is, is a, a paradox and it really makes it confusing to, to figure out what the Steelers are trying to do this season. You know what it is, Neil? It's the positive hostage situation. It's something that I talked about years ago. It's the positive hostage. Ben is the positive hostage. 
in general, he's been a positive figure in Pittsburgh. He's won two Super Bowls. There was a time when he was been the jackass guy. And <laughs> everybody knows. We don't need to go into that. He was been he was that guy. We know. But overall, he's the positive guy. He's the positive hostage. He's kind of holding them hostage in some ways to them competing for a championship this year. When I they won't admit it. But many people in the fan base and in the media, I don't know, I don't think we feel this is a championship team. But because he's coming back, you can't necessarily do rebuilding stuff that you may need to do. So he's the positive hostage. He's a positive guy, but he's holding you kind of hostage. And like you said, getting rid of Steven Nelson doesn't necessarily make sense if you bring him back. And speaking of William Jackson's contract, I'm going to just give you um, the average per year for these cornerbacks. You've got Trey Waynes, 14 million. Marcus <laughs> Peters, 14 million. William Jackson, a third, 13.5. Shaq Griffith, who now is with the Jaguars at 13.3. You got Stephon Gilmore at 13 million. And of course, you have Joe Hayden at 11 million. I think he, you are right. He is in that ballpark because the next tier below Joe Hayden, you've got Bradley Roby, Ronald Darby, Kendall Fuller and Richard Sherman. I think he is better than that. And so I think it's realistic for him to think that his current APY is 8.5 should increase because I think he's been one of the better free agent signings for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm glad you brought those points up. I don't know like if it's necessarily causal one or the other, but this is interesting. I foresee if I'm going to look into my Steeler crystal ball, I think he's on the roster. And I think he goes into free agency next year. It just doesn't make sense to me to cripple that defense. You're talking about a guy that played almost 900 snaps. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to replace that guy. Like, what do you do to replace a guy that plays 900 snaps? Because, of course, that means you got to find possibly a corner, a nickel corner, because they lost Mike Hilton. And I'm sure we're going to talk about free agency and what we think the roster is leading up into the draft. But, Neil, I think it's been a great first show. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It, it, it worked out really well, I think. I, I like your hat. Oh, you do? This, getting this, one of those is, uh, this is my St. Patty's Day. And before we end the go. show, I want to give Irish. my mom a big shout out again. My mom's birthday is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, my mom uh, just celebrated her birthday. We had a great Zoom call and all that good stuff. And so I want to give her a quick shout out as well again. And so that's why I have my green. And actually, if you could see the bottom of the hoodie, there's like a shamrock on here as well. And so, you know, I'm a North Sider, so I ride and die with the Steelers. I ride and die with the Roonies. We're all North Side guys. So yep. that means we're particularly crazy. We're a little bit more crazy than the rest of Pittsburgh because uh, <laughs> the air was bad. The water was bad. And the Steelers <laughs> were literally around the corner from my grandmother's house and my neighborhood. I mean, I could hear them on PA on Sunday. But listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show. This is the first episode of The New Standard. I don't know what the, our schedule is going to be, but I do know we are committed to doing the show. We will come out with more details about the show and the schedule, and I'm sure we are going to have famous Neil Kulong meltdowns <laughs> on a fourth-round draft pick. Um, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun roller coaster, and I'm sure we're both third round draft pick. <laughs> yes, that's part of the problem. <laughs> I'm not going to share the story, but I am going to share it with Neil about <laughs> Dre Archer after this. But thank you guys for tuning in, and we're going to get back to it. I'm looking forward to it. The new standard.